0: My name is David Spell, and this is the podcast where we talk about practical leadership, team building, theology, and how to create winning habits. I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm glad you're aboard. Make sure you stick around until the end of the show for this week's Productivity Tip of the Week. And the title for this week's episode is, Tips for Reading the Gospel of John. Now the Gospel of John is a fascinating uh, look at the life of Jesus. As, As you know, if you've looked at the New Testament, there's four Gospels that all present a picture of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the first three, and they have a similar viewpoint. That's why they're often referred to as the Synoptic Gospels because they, they they actually have the same point of view. But John has a very very different point of view. John was written probably twenty or thirty years after those three Gospels, and John has a very different perspective. It's not that he writes a different story. He also covers the life of Jesus, his ministry, miracles, Jesus' crucifixion, and his resurrection. But the main difference is in the way that John tells the story, is is the way that he selects the material, and then how he crafts the narrative. John has a very unique way of telling his story. And what we're going to do in this podcast is look at just a few of the differences between John and the other gospels. The first one, the first difference is how John uses the miracles in his gospel. You know, each of the gospels presents Jesus performing miracles. Some of these are physical healings, and, and they show him raising even some people from the dead. There's some nature miracles such as the calming of the storm or the multiplication of the fish and the bread. Other miracles occur when Jesus Set someone free who's possessed by an evil spirit. The synoptic writers use the Greek word dunamis when they talk about the miracles. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke use a different word than what John uses. And the word that that Matthew, Mark, and Luke use, dunamis, is where we get our English word dynamite. And what Matthew, Mark, and Luke see when Jesus performs a miracle is this explosion of divine power. And the result is someone being healed or raised from the dead or some type of nature miracle. John, however, whenever he talks about a miracle, the Greek word that he uses is the Greek word simeon, which means sign, like a street sign. And what John is actually doing is that the miracles, he understands that they were important, But for John, the miracles were presenting something. They were pointing to something beyond themselves, just just like the street sign does. We don't get excited about the street sign just because it's there. We get excited because the street sign is telling us where we want to go or telling us if we've arrived yet. So the sign always points to something beyond itself. So when John presents his miracles... He's presenting them not just as Jesus uh, expressing his divine power, but as him showing, as these miracles pointing to something beyond the miracle itself. You know, John only presents seven miracles in his gospel. The first one was the turning of the water into wine. The last one is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And you see this progression as they become more intense and more powerful. And each one is pointing to something beyond itself. There's a, there's a story, there's a parable, there's, there's, there's meaning in each miracle that John presents. An excellent study would be to take a look at each one of those seven signs that, that John presents. What are they pointing to? What's the meaning that John wants us to find in each of these signs? Another thing that's very interesting in John's gospel is the conversations that Jesus has with individuals. You know, each of the four Gospels shows Jesus having conversations with with various people from from time to time. But in John's Gospel, we get very in-depth conversations. For example, in chapter 3 of John, Jesus has this long, in-depth conversation with a man named Nicodemus, a, a religious leader. And, and Jesus actually talks to him about spiritual things and, 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 and tries to uh, uh, convey to Nicodemus the, the need for, for spiritual rebirth. But then in the next chapter, chapter 4, Jesus has a long conversation with, a, with an immoral woman, a woman who has had five husbands, who is currently living with somebody else, a woman of, 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 of a pretty interesting reputation in her village. And yet Jesus has a long conversation with her about living water and how how if she'll come to trust in him, he'll make her life new. And so John is full of these interesting conversations. In each of these conversations, Jesus' goal seemed to be to lead that person to faith in him. And again, this would be another great study is to take these conversations that Jesus had in in the Gospel of John and, and to look at them more in depth and to find out um, what what Jesus was saying and, and, and what questions he was answering in, in these conversations. And then number three, we've mentioned how jesus um, how John used Jesus's miracles as signs. We've also mentioned the conversations that Jesus had with people. And then number three, the third kind of difference that we find between John and the other Gospels, and the third key for us to kind of uh, maybe help us as we read through the Gospel or to give us something to think about or study, the third one is the I am sayings of Jesus. John provides us with seven of these statements um, that give us insight about who Jesus was. Two, of the exa- two examples of these statements that Jesus made in, in the Gospel of John are, um, uh, in, in one of them, in chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. In chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. Now, each of these statements highlights a different aspect of Jesus' ministry. And by locating and studying each of these statements in its context, the reader is going to gain valuable insight into the person and ministry of Jesus. In fact, just as Jesus' miracles become progressively more powerful, from the turning of the water into wine all the way up to the resurrection of, or the raising of Lazarus from the dead, so the I am sayings become progressively more powerful until in the story of raising Lazarus from the dead, right before he does that, he tells uh, Martha during a conversation with her discussing raising her brother from the dead, Jesus says that, I am the resurrection and the life. How powerful is this? I mean, Jesus is making this incredible claim that either He's completely lying, he's telling the truth, or he's, you know, mad. I I don't know. And then later on in chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God but by me. And so Jesus in these I am sayings is giving us things to challenge us. What are we going to do with these sayings? Are they true? Are they false? What are we going to do with these sayings? So these are some, some great things for us to study. And these are just three tips for studying John's gospel. Of course, there are others. But by taking time to dig under the surface of the scriptures, there's a wealth of riches to be discovered. And our lives, our lives are going to be enriched by meditating on God's word. Well, now it's your turn. I'd love to hear from you. Which one's your favorite gospel? Do you have a favorite? What are your thoughts on John's gospel? I'd love to hear hear what you think. Go to davidspell.com. Leave me a question or comment in the comments section for today's post. And while you're there, would you sign up to get my free newsletter? If you'd subscribe to my blog, it would make sure that you get all three posts that I publish during the week. And it would also ensure that you get my subscribers-only newsletter that I send out once a month. Would you like to take your leadership to another level? Would you like to be more productive at work? Would you like to know how to set goals and complete them? These are just three ways that my book, Leading into the 21st Century and Beyond, will help you. Check it out. I know you will love it. There's a link in the show notes. You can go to my website, It's on the media page, on the resource page. Check out Leading into the 21st Century and Beyond. I know you're going to love it. Well, now it's time for this week's Productivity Tip of the Week. Do you keep a to-do list? Where do you keep it at? You know, what I find is what gets scheduled gets done. What I write down, I'm probably actually going to accomplish during the day. But the problem is, for many years, I would write my list down on a piece of paper, and then I'd lose that piece of paper, or I'd misplace it. Today's productivity tip of the week is this. Keep your to-do list on your phone. You've always got your phone with you. Create a note. Title it whatever you want. Mine's just titled simply to-do list, and I update it and change it almost every day. Deleting and adding things that need to be done today and then tomorrow. It's the best way to make sure everything gets done. Keep your to-do list on your phone, look at it often, and you'll find yourself getting so much more done. Now, as we close today, can I ask you for a small favor? Would you take just a moment and go to iTunes and give Leading and Learning a review? Good reviews help push us up in the ratings so we can reach a larger audience of people just like you. So, until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to pursue your passion.